You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled The Two Covenants. Hello my radio friends, welcome to the program today and I'm glad you have chosen to hear more via this program from God's Holy Word to us, the Bible. Today we will focus our attention on two covenants, the old and the new. So what's a covenant anyhow? covenant is a solemn agreement. When people marry, part of the marriage ceremony is a pledge of fidelity, a pledge of loyalty to each other. That pledge is a covenant. When a tradesman gives a quote for a job and that quote is accepted by the customer, a covenant has been made. The tradesman has agreed to do the job for a certain amount of money and the customer agrees to pay the specified amount of money at the completion of the job. That's another example of a covenant. Third example. A child misbehaves at school and is given detention time in what would be playtime during the recess or lunch break. In some schools, a child in detention is given the opportunity to review his or her actions and to write what is called a contract in which he or she promises to behave properly in the future. The contract is also a covenant as it's a promise. Fourth example. When a country that begins a war with another country and is defeated, the two countries are likely to sign a war pact where each promises to stop fighting and not to attack the opposing country again. Again, a covenant has been entered into by both parties. The Bible also records of covenants being made between various persons and with God. God has made covenants with various people, including Abraham, Noah, Adam, and others. In those covenants, God and man came to an agreement. On man's part, he, or that is they, were to be faithful to God. On God's part, he would bless them. But God also made a covenant with a whole nation of people, a people representing mankind in general. And it is regarding this that I would like to share with you today. The scene was the desert of Shur on the Sinai Peninsula. God's people had been liberated from Egyptian slavery and were walking toward the land the Lord had promised them over near the Jordan Valley. 
Having lived in pagan Egypt, many of those ex-slaves had very little knowledge about God and the right way to live. So God intended to reveal himself to them and tell them what was his will about how they were to live. He would give in written and spoken form the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. Just prior to that, prior to that special day, the people were to wash their bodies and clothes in preparation. And God made it quite clear that this covenant between him and the people would involve a commitment of the people to him, and he would commit himself to them and bless them. Via Moses, God told the people what would be required of them. You can read it for yourself in Exodus chapter 19, verses 4 through to 8. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. Two days later, the Lord spoke the Ten Commandments from the mountain. The covenant was that if the people kept God's laws, he would bless and protect them. On the other hand, if they failed to keep their side of the bargain, they could not expect God to bless them. It's quite obvious that the Ten Commandments were well known before this time because people had sinned before God gave the law on Mount Sinai. But there is one big point that many seem to overlook. Although this covenant between God and the people involved obedience by the people, an escape was provided in the event that someone broke any of, any of those Ten Commandments. If you read on in the book of Exodus, going on from chapter 20, where the commandments are listed, you will find out what had to be done when someone sinned. Although God required strict obedience to the law, yet he provided a way of escape 
in case something went wrong. It is known as the sacrificial service and also known as the handwriting of ordinances and is also referred to as the laws or the law of Moses. When someone broke God's law, he was condemned to die. Romans 6 verse 23 sums that up, where the Bible says, The wages of sin is death. The sacrificial system was a kind of service or procedure where something else would take the punishment, that's the death, for the sins of that particular individual. This service actually pointed into the future, when Jesus Christ would take on himself the sins of the whole world and die our death for us. What happened was that the sacrificial service required the repentant sinner to choose a perfect male lamb from his flock, take it to the temple where a priest would oversee the procedure. Now, in some cases, if the people were very poor, they could use a dove or something like that. But generally, we would um, expect that a lamb would have been used. The repentant sinner then was to place one hand on the head of the lamb, confess his sin, and then with the other hand slice open the jugular vein in the lamb's throat with a knife. The lamb would die through loss of blood. That lamb would be the substitute for the person. The person could walk away from there knowing that his sins were forgiven because those sins were transferred to the Lamb. In actual fact, that service was pointing to and dependent on Jesus living a perfect unblemished life and taking on our sins as our substitute and dying in our place. The first covenant required strict obedience to the law of God. If you know anything about the history of man and the history of the people, the Israelites, they were given the task of representing God to the people of other nations. How did they go? Well, overall, they failed miserably. Many times they took on the evil pagan practices of the surrounding nations. God could not bless them because they broke their side of the covenant. By the time Jesus came to this earth and lived among the people, the Jews had made the keeping of the law of God 
into an intricate art. They made laws about how to keep the law, and the whole system was so burdensome that it became an almost meaningless round of ritual. And the other issue was that the strictest Jews made sure that what they did was obvious to the people. They made a show of being holy, although, as Jesus pointed out, on several occasions, their holiness was a farce. Jesus spoke very straight to them, calling them hypocrites, sons of hell, blind guides, whitewashed tombs, dishes that look clean on the outside but are filthy on the inside. He called them snakes, broods of vipers and murderers. You can read this for yourself from Matthew chapter 23. You know, sometimes people need to have their badness exposed because otherwise they may think they can get away with evil provided it's kept secret. Jesus knew what those pious-looking leaders of the Jewish nation were up to and he told them, so we're going to have a break here and go on afterwards. How long has it been since you talked with the Lord and told him your heart's hidden secrets? How long since you prayed How long since you stayed On your knees Till the light shone through How long has it been Since your mind felt at ease How long since your heart Knew no burden Can you call him your friend How long has it been Since you knew that he cared for you How long has it been Since you knelt by your bed Since you woke with the dawn and felt this day is worth living, can you call him your friend? How long has 
it been since you knew that he cared for you? That song by Jim Reeves is a challenge. It's a challenge to me and I hope it's a challenge to you. Just like those Jewish leaders back in the time when Jesus walked the earth made a show of their religion but inside they were empty. Some people show up at church each week looking good but during the week have they prayed? Have they read God's word? Some people survive on a starvation diet as far as Christianity is concerned. We need to read our Bibles. We need to pray to the Lord. We need to study and learn what God's will is for us. What God requires of his people is that they live according to his will 24-7. That's how the Christian is to live. We are not to live a double life, pretending to be holy, when we're involved like those Jewish leaders in questionable activities. But as recorded in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 33, and repeat, repeated verbatim in Hebrews 8 the Lord announced that he would make a new covenant with his people it would be different from the old the question is why and how first I'll read what the Lord has said the time is coming declares the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. They will be my people and I will be their God. Now, that's from Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33, and you can also read it in Hebrews chapter 8. So when did this new covenant come into being? It was when Jesus died as our substitute and rose as our victorious Saviour. The old system of animal sacrifices which all along pointed to Jesus our ultimate substitute was finished a new order of things had arrived 
No longer did people need priests to act on their behalf. Jesus became and is our great high priest. The Apostle Paul has gone to great lengths to explain in the book of Galatians that the old covenant where one tried to obtain salvation by strict obedience to the law had failed because nobody, yes, nobody had been able to keep the law perfectly. Although there were groups of ex-Jews who belonged to the apostolic church after the resurrection of Christ, who urged all the new Christians to abide by the old laws and customs, Paul pointed out that nobody, absolutely nobody, could be saved by keeping the law. Just as emphatically, Paul pointed out that the only way, yes, the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. Now, there are many good Protestant people right now who have the notion that the law as given by God on Mount Sinai has been obliterated and is no longer valid. But did you notice what God said about the new covenant? He said he would write his law in our minds and on our hearts. If he was going to write the law on our minds, in our minds, and on our hearts, it doesn't mean to say that the law has been obliterated. The law has not been abolished because we will be judged by that law. It is everlasting. What has changed is that we keep the law because we want to because we want to show our gratitude for what the Lord has done for us and because we want to please him. The difference between the, the, the two covenants was that the old, or with the old, they kept the law because they had to. With the new, we keep the law because we want to. I hope this has been helpful for you today, and I hope you will read for yourself the Bible references I've given. And I also hope that you'll join me again next week. And until then, soak yourselves in God's Word. Until then... I wish you hope and peace and joy.